is Mickey Wright, and I want to welcome you to Beauty Superstars Talk, your backstage pass to experts in beauty. I believe success leaves clues, and if you want to be the best, you have to hang out with the best. This podcast allows you to do just that. I've spent my career as an award-winning hairstylist, independent educator, and salon coach who's helped tens of thousands to get more clients and make more money. I was also one of the first African-American owners of a full-service salon and day spa in the country. In short, I love beauty, business, and peeking backstage. If that sounds like you, I invite you to join me each week as I bring you the best and brightest Black artists and entrepreneurs in the beauty industry to share their stories, leave you with tips, tricks, and insights to take your business to the next level, and to take you backstage in their part of the industry. So if you're ready, let's go. Hello, hello. It's like, this is Mickey Wright. And I want to welcome you to Beauty Superstars Talk. It's your backstage pass to Experts in Beauty. And I'm wondering, um, will your business survive another shutdown? If you're recovering from the last one still, your chances aren't so good. Um, retailing is definitely one way to increase your income rather than, you know, that behind the chair income, whether you're there or not, the retail can still keep working for you. We have an amazing guest this evening, Stephanie Luster. I want to tell you more about her as we go along, um, but she's awesome with branding, marketing, and of course, retailing. And she's going to be sharing with us tonight some ways to help get us set up for the holiday season and off into the new year with getting our income on track. So not to be a Debbie Downer, and I know it is voting day, but um, as we meet, it's like we are in the midst of a global pandemic and the likes of which we really haven't seen in the last hundred years. Um, earlier this year to protect public health, most of the states had some sort of lockdown or shutdown that forced hairstylists and barbers and other beauty professionals, as well as all other kind of businesses to close their doors and not be able to perform their services in our case. And that's the way we make our living primarily. So um, it was definitely a scary time. And for, for many reasons, it was a very scary time. Um, but fast forward to today and we're watching other countries shut down again. And the numbers for our coronavirus cases are going up. The deaths, unfortunately, are climbing as well. And this entire year has just been, you know, filled with so much um, uncertainty. And so, again, it's like if we have to to shut down again after crying, do you have an income plan, some way to generate some income if you're not behind the chair? And last time we, you know, were kind of sucker punched, you know, blindsided, had no idea this is coming. This time we got to, you know, step up our game just in case. So we're hopeful, you know, kind of like we put on your seatbelt, not expecting to have an accident, but just in case we need to be gearing up. And plus what we used to know as normal, it's gone. So we've got to get a whole new game plan. So that's why I'm here tonight. Um, and in fact, all month, it's like we're going to learn how to win the retail game. And if you join me for Beauty Superstars Talk before, you know, I'm a second generation hairstylist, educator turned salon business coach, and I'm committed to giving Black artists and entrepreneurs um, who are excelling in the beauty industry a platform to be able to share their own story and in the meantime take you backstage into their world and inspire you to see what's possible to educate you and to record our history and to bring healing into our industry. So this month is actually a little bit different 
in that we not only want to hear the stories of our guests, but we actually want you to leave with a game plan um, each week that'll help you to fill your bank account and be able to feed your family. And for some of you, it'll be a new way of looking at yourself and your business through retailing. And for some of you, it'll be just what you need to maximize your efforts and really make a bigger impact and create more revenue. So retailing in the salon, I've been in this industry a really long time, and it seems to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks in the industry. And I think it's kind of funny because we marvel at Madame CJ Walker's story and her success. And many of us, you know, strive to attain her millionaire status. And um, we often don't realize that her millions, <clears throat> excuse me, and the livelihoods of the legions of women that she helped to um, give the opportunity to create financial independence were all made possible through retailing products. And so it's my pleasure this month to bring you guys four dynamic people in our industry to share their insights and wisdom with you about how you can turn your passion for beauty into an additional stream of income. And it could even exceed what you're making in the salon. So with next week, it's like we'll have the one and only the retail boss, Ms. Keena Merriweather, and she's going to share some of the nuts and bolts of how to shift from a service mindset into retail. And next is Jane Carter, and she is a cosmetologist turned product maven who built a multi-million dollar business with national, national or nationwide distribution. And she's going to share some of the pitfalls to avoid if you want more distribution and if you are um, thinking about getting started, she'll have some ways to help you with that as well. So the last Tuesday of the month, it's actually Thanksgiving, if you can believe it or not. And we're going to keep giving. It's like we've got Thomas Fawcett, and he's actually the author of Salon Success. He's the vice president of Basic Hair Care and the founder of Mainstream Hair and Beauty Expo. And he's actually introducing a new book that's called Shut Up and Close the Deal. And so he's going to give us some tips on how to embrace our inner salesperson. How about that? <laughs> and uh, you really don't want to miss any of these. And I'm definitely especially happy that you are here today because it's my honor to introduce to you the woman who will kick off the winning with the retail game month. And that's none other than this triple threat is what I've named her. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's the president of Asations Products, um, the maker of Naked Products, and her name is Stephanie Luster, and she is here to share the naked truth about retailing. So why do I call her a triple threat? It's like, number one, she's the president, and she's the Black female president at that, of one of the only, uh, one of only a few of large Black-owned manufacturers of hair care in the country. And black and female actually are, you know, are already their own categories, but um, she's also a cosmetologist. So not only does she understand what the products are made of and what they can do, but she knows how they act in real life, which, you know, behind the chair, we need the real life experience. So, um, and number three, it's actually a line that's still professional, you know, made for hairstylists and not in your local beauty supply and drugstores. But um, I don't have any confirmation on this, but I have a feeling it's like if we as hairstylists don't get it together and step up our game, that things may need to change on their end. So we want to keep you going, Ms. Lester. <laughs> and before we go um, into our conversation, I just want to share a little bit about her. I'm going to read her bio. So um, Stephanie Lester is a beauty industry trailblazer and 
entrepreneur. She's made it her business to inspire others to use their platforms to walk in their purpose. Although she's based in the Chicagoland area, her span reaches internationally. Having traveled all over the world, educating stylists and consumers on one of the world's most sought after topics, hair, as president and director of education of Asations Inc. family brand, Stephanie uses her 26 years of expertise to propel the brand and stylist to the next level. In addition to her position with Asations Inc., the mother of two, Sophia and Brandon, also owns the Sophia Brandon Boutique Salon, serves as vice president of the Nina Cares Foundation, and serves on the corporate board for Polish Pebbles. Her Southside Chicago roots hold a special place in her heart, and she is dedicated to reaching back to ensure our communities have the tools they needed to build successful leaders for generations to come. Stephanie looks forward to using her platform to continue motivating, educating, and mentoring others while building a legacy for her children. So it's my honor to welcome you, Stephanie. Hello. Hi, thank you. Thank you for having me and for reaching out. I'm honored to be here. Like I was saying last night with the brand Cocky Millionaires. It's been so long since we've been able to talk to people. So I am just enjoying seeing your face. you, <laughs> And hopefully having some impact on a lot of people out there. Um, thank you for inviting me to your platform and what you're doing is amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad that you're here. It's like, I know we've got a lot of excited folks. Um, I think we are going good full steam ahead here on all of our channels here. So, <laughs> and I hope that you're, you're able to stream it into your group as well, I, into your page. I hope so. I hope so. I'm going to try and hook that up. I got, okay. I got my person here, so maybe she'll be able to hook it up. <laughs> about the electronic side of things. Okay, perfect. <laughs> So um, actually last month I finished up Legends Month and your family um, is really beauty industry royalty. And so I can't start or talk to you without having you share a little bit about your background. I know you've been in the industry 26 years, but I think you've been in the industry, around the industry your entire life. Yeah, <laughs> so about the Lester family. <laughs> So the Luster family, I mean, it's amazing to be a, a part of and to have been brought up in it. I think we've all just been in here. So my uncle is Fred Luster. He's my father's oldest brother, uh, my father, Steve Luster. And so Fred Luster is the one who started uh, Luster Products. He was actually a groomer in the Chicagoland area, and he serviced a lot of celebrities. And he began, um, he started a, a selling a product and it kind of just went for there. My father was actually the first escrow man, believe it or not. And so there's still posters of him floating around today. And I'm like, you were kind of cute when you were younger, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, yeah. And so uh, we started our own uh, company. We actually started off as a private labeler um, at first where we were making products for other people. Um, and so when we first began, it was during the curl industry. Everything was a curl. I had a jerry curl as well. Um, well, I'll call it, we didn't have a jerry curl because that was the brand, but we had our own curl system and I definitely have one of, had one of those at the time. It was a cool thing to do. So I did it. Right. Um, and then we kind of evolved from there. So being a part of a of a family that has such rich history, not just from my uncle, but from my father as well. I could go around into 
um, any space and know basically everybody just from, you know, who my heritage runs through. And I'm proud of, extremely proud of that. If I go to a store somewhere and I see lesser products, I mean, we're at the end of the day, we're still family, cousins, everything. There's no comp competition in between us. And we get together and love on each other. And every time I see lesser products, pink oil, anything like that on the shelves, I'm extremely proud of that um, just because it's, it's a part of my heritage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a fabulous legacy. Okay. And that's like, I think we all, you know, have used pink oil moisturizer. It's Absolutely. like, at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. Anytime yeah. you make it to like music, like, you know, you made it as a hair care product when they're talking about you in the, in the music. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it just was. It really was an amazing um, childhood to be able to grow up with. And then when, when we started our own company all of those years ago, you know, I, like you said, I've been brought up in the industry, in plants, mm -hmm. um, you know, fake kind of working. My mother would make us work every summer. Um, and I'm not saying anything about that. I hope she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's always like, oh, I was just, you just, no, no, it was great. My uh, work ethic comes from that, but we okay. knew it. we were trained to work when we were younger. Our summers were spent working. And it was after I graduated high school, I did go uh, locally to colleges, and um, but I still worked full time. So when it says 26 years, I've basically been working full time with hair care since I was um, 17, coming out of high school, 16 times 17 coming out of high school. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so did you always know that you wanted to go into it? Yeah, absolutely. I always wanted to do something in hair care. I've always loved the business. Um, I always knew that I wanted to have a salon. I like the atmosphere of it, just having people, just the women and conversations and being able to help empower and motivate women. Um, I like that. I always knew that I wanted to be a part of the family business. That was never, ever a question for me. Um, and I believe that my talent streamed that way. I really don't have, it's not like I'm, uh, you know, like my sister, Crystal, she's an amazing singer and actress, and she does a lot of content and all of that. She, Even if we didn't have a company that she was a part of, in which she definitely is a co-owner, but she could go out and just be amazing in her own right as a creative. And my brother, uh, Steven, he is a uh, personal trainer, and he loves the body and the form of the body and all of that. And he does. He's a co-owner and works with us, too. But he could, if he wasn't doing that, he can go out and just be amazing in that field as well. Me, I'm only talented when it comes to like hair care. I don't know. I just didn't get the extra talents that my siblings got. So I, I really um, wanted and had this desire to be a part of this industry. And I do. I completely love it. I love the people in it, the creativity. Um, I can't say that I'm 100% creative, but I just love to be around the energy that's in the industry. It's just, it's always been amazing to me. I've always been awestruck by it. Yeah. Yeah. The energy is something that's magnetic, you know, really if something is like, it just draws you, draws you into it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I miss, I mean, just like everybody, I, I talk a lot of times about the different companies that are in the industry and how we interact with each other. Like we're all big families. People think that, oh, this company is fighting with this company or they're competing. It's not like that. We're like, at the end of the day, we're like, so who house we going over or after the show is over, <laughs> where are we hanging out at, you know? 
And so it's just it's just a, such a feel good energy and, and uh, the way people love on each other and share with each other and just, you know, just being able to sit down at the table with your friends. It's just amazing. So I really do. I love, 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 love the industry. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one day soon we'll be back to shows and I'm for it every day. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so talk to us um, a little bit as far as like Clintex was your family's business. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. So how did these stations evolve out of that? Well, um, so Clintex is where we started with, with the private labeling. And it also was the name of our um, curl line that we had that went out there. Uh -huh. um, and so there was one product, Actramorse. People still call me for it today. I'm like, you still remember that from like in the 80s. I have no idea how it happened. Um, and then we had relaxers that came in and took over everything. We were doing well with the curls and the relaxers came in and boom, here we are. Um, and so after that, we got our first, um, it was, Stations was our flagship brand. Um, and again, like I, like I said before, we were a private labeling firm. So we were making products from, for some of the biggest companies out there um, that, you know, of course I'm not, I can't name names because of our, but I can say some of the ones like um, Vital Pro, we used to make a lot of relaxes from him for, him, for them. We haven't done it in years though. So I can't actually put that out there, but there were different companies like that um, with Vital, it was their high comfort and their tender headed relaxer came from my house. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were known throughout the industry to just have the best relaxer there is out there. And, um, we had the East Asians brand and I, we basically used it as a brand to send out to people to show them samples of what we could do in house. It was really their sampling tool to be able to order what they wanted for their private labeling. And um, I, when we lost Vital Pro, it was, and, and I won't say lost, what they did is they, they got bought out. They were owned by uh, three African men at first and then they got bought out for, from an Indian group. And they wanted to bring all of their um, all of their manufacturing in house, which is a smart thing to do. I'm not, you know, faulting them for it, but it took a huge amount of what our revenue was out of the business, um, like just like that. Mm. And what that'll do is get you to realize that you have to reimagine re what money is and what ownership looks like. Um, and when you're doing private labeling, a lot of times you don't necessarily have the ownership. Um, it really belongs to someone else. And at that point, we turned around and looked at the cessations and we're like, mm, we probably need to push that more because we we own that. We can control that. Uh, we can control everything from idea all the way down to how it gets to the consumer, everything that goes in with the formulation, all of the new products that we introduce. We have control of that brand and we can't take it from our own manufacturing facility because it's ours. And so we started to at that point to be able to reimagine what that um, what our what our business structure looked like and take that Estations brand and really pushed with it, which was wildly successful. And then um, in, let's see, 2010, I was pregnant with my son. That's when we birthed um, the Naked brand. Mm -hmm. My sister, who's passed now, Karen and I, we worked on that together extremely hard. And we were able to introduce this naked system, which took off. I mean, it took off just like that. And um, it was our fastest moving uh, project that we've ever done before. And so, yeah, that's how that's how the transition with Clintex was more so for our private labelers. And then when we 
we lost some significant business and started to reimagine what our business structure actually looked like, then that's when we turned around and Estations became the horse that we wanted to ride so that we can make sure that we had some security in our own business going forward. Right, right. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that story. And I'm definitely sorry about your sister. Um, but the word reimagine, I'm loving that. And yeah. especially right now, um, tell us how your business was impacted from COVID as well as, you know, the, the people who are clients, hairstylists and, yeah. and all. I'll, I'll tell you in, in two different ways. One, COVID just, it, it impacted me emotionally. That's number one. Because again, like I said, the industry is like a bunch of friends. Um, and so I'm, I'm two-sided. As you mentioned, I have this salon and it's a, you know, I have a nine stylists in the salon. It's a 10 chair salon right now. And we had just moved into a new space. Um, and I sold this big old dream of what we were going to do and how we were going to be able to impact others and the amount of classes we would have. And we're going to pack this joint out, blah, blah, blah. We had our grand opening on March 8th and on March 21st. Mm. And so um, there was that. And and the women that I work with are not just my friends. They're my sisters. And so some of them are single mothers. Some of them are the breadwinner for the family, even though they you know, may have um, another adult in the house. Um, their finances impacted them and not just their finances but but emotionally and socially we really glean on each other um i knew that that COVID was going to attack depression and things like that mm-hmm. um and the stress levels just because of the nature of being by yourself or being isolated so on one side i'm looking at my sisters all being without jobs um mm-hmm. i'm looking at the industry and my friends all being without jobs and I, these are mostly women and women with families and then I'm also looking at, on the other side, I have this manufacturing plant, Efations, that produces 85% of its products for beauty professionals. And so in a moment, 85% of my clients were out of work. So um, that caused another type of stress. <laughs> that caused another type of stress, which was, which was more of a financial stress, which was more um, worrying about my employees and how we were going to pay them. Um, I did not even bring anything in for COVID uh, to be able to pay those employees that we have there because they have families as well. I think we had one week and one week only that we did not have a full staff in, but God blessed us and took us through all of it where uh, we were able to pivot. Pivot is a real thing. It has been a real thing for our entire lives, but as a disaster proof industry, which we've always said, or a recession proof industry, we've never had to worry about what pivoting means till now. Um, and so we definitely did have to figure out how to pivot and how to make some changes and reimagine what we are to be able to sustain and actually grow in the midst of a pandemic. Um, and that's when you can see beauty in the midst of ashes, then that's, that's, that's kind of what you can imagine what we had to do. So emotionally it was tough because all of my friends are without jobs and financially and business wise, it was tough because we still had to try to make it happen, but we made it through. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit as far as that, you know, if it's helpful for us to know, um, you know, I know that you are committed to the professional beauty, you know, beauty people, uh, all of us hairstylists and, you know, other folks in the industry. Um, so, how did that transition, you know, help or affect 
you know, the industry? Um, I think that the industry itself um, is going to benefit highly from COVID. Um, us, we had to make some pivots, but we also had to help other people make pivots as well because the entire industry had to pivot. I've never seen anything like it before, where right. it's not just you. <laughs> You know, we all have soft stories and it's like, oh, I just, you know, I lost my house or yeah. I lost my job or whatever, but I can't turn to anybody because it's not just you. Everybody is in the same position and we were legally not able to do what we know to do. Um, I think COVID is really going to help the industry as a whole because it, it exposed a lot of mismanagement of businesses, period. Um, not just in small businesses more specifically, and um, us being um, entrepreneurs or being sole proprietors or being, you know, we were all affected by it and had to look at our business structure a little bit different, understand what business is. Um, in the beauty industry, when we go to beauty school, I mean, we don't necessarily have a, an extensive business section in our classes. Um, we take 1,500 hours and I went to Paul Mitchell. So it wasn't that I went to you know, a school that isn't supposed to give you everything that you think your $20,000 should give you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I got just as much business as anybody else did. They teach you how to sell what they want you to sell while you're there. They don't necessarily mm -hmm. teach you how to survive going forward. And nobody prepares you for something like COVID. Um, and so there are plenty of things that we all needed to put in place for us. We definitely had to make a pivot. Um, I think I think COVID has made everybody understand that if you're not uh, merchandising in a virtual space or if you're not mer merchandising digitally, that you're not going to be able to survive. I actually did a uh, recession proof or a uh, disaster proof your income class, mm. class that was in my group on Facebook. And it basically took a look at different ways to make money. Um, COVID as a business owner on the East Asian side, it has really taught me how to see money differently. I've been seeing money the same way since we've been in business. And mm. COVID taught me how to see money differently. Uh, and I'm thankful to COVID for that. How so? Mm -hmm. How so? What does that mean, seeing money? Um, well, I'll tell you, it, it taught me to see money different because it, it showed me where money can come from and how money can work for me. Like right now, my business structure has been set up with distributorships. You know, a distributor comes, knocks on your door, comes and brings you your product and goes to the, the next salon after that. That's what we're used to in the beauty industry. We had our, thank God, we had our website set up. We had our, you know, virtual merchandising space set up and we had been receiving orders from it already. Um, and so we did not have to scramble to put those pieces in place when COVID happened. But at the same time, we did have to learn how to push more sales through it um, because nobody could go out, you know, but people still needed to wash their hair. They still needed to, you know, condition, style their hair or whatever, because they're at home. They're still doing Zoom meetings. Something had to happen. So when I when I when I say that it, it had me look at money differently, um, when I have a distributor that's purchasing for um, for all of their customers and they're getting a certain percentage off of it um, and I'm giving them, you know, 30 days to pay it off or something like that. 
I'm basically taking my inventory that I've already paid for and I'm and I'm giving it to them until they sell it so that they can pay me back for it. Mm-hmm. And then when I went into the online space uh, for that time and I love distributors and I'm never I don't ever want to go past distributors because there's something about that personal relationship that cannot be replaced. So I'm not saying that um, that that piece has to go anywhere or that it should go anywhere. But when we started selling more online during COVID and those numbers online went up, there's something about getting your money up front and not having to share the that entire profit um, that makes more sense for your business. And you know, money that you have to wait for becomes smaller and smaller the longer you have to wait for it because you have to keep spending money out to replace the inventory that you sent out already. So it made me be able to see money differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also started making sanitizer. We did it pretty early on. Uh, my cousin is a doctor, actually, a, a medical doctor. And she sends us a text in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, I mean, maybe a week before we got shut down. And she's like, hey, I don't know. Do you all have that um, a sanitizer formula already? I know you guys had some. I know it was, you know, you had been with the FDA on that. You think you could make some? People probably really need it right now. And I'm like, she's almost genius. And we went the next day with five days we had it. So we had it very early and we were able to not only sell it or have it available for people so that they could be safe, but we're also able to give a lot of it away to our communities um, as far as fire stations, police stations, stuff like that is concerned. Mm -hmm that are in our immediate um, area and some a little bit further out. So we were able to donate a lot of it as well. Um, and when you have something that is a true commodity and it doesn't have a color on it, mm-hmm. everybody needed sanitizer. It wasn't for blacks, it wasn't for whites, it wasn't for his, it was everybody needed this and we happened to have it. If I reimagine money because I I found out then that you can you can I could have charged which we didn't and there were some people who did I could have charged whatever I wanted to for it mm-hmm. and when I say that I mean there were big companies that we that we um, that we sold to and they wanted skids of it just skids of it because they had uh, to protect their employees too and it was none out there you know mm-hmm. and so. Um, it made me reimagine money because I could, I also understood that when you have a true commodity that everybody needs mm-hmm. in our in our not just in our industry but in in the I'll, I'm gonna go out there and just say sometimes in the black race there's a lot of haggling about price. Well, I need it cheaper or I need you know. I was able to sit at a table with people that were like, "How much did you say? Run the card, write the check. Doesn't matter. Give me what what I need." Right. And so when you have something. You know, uh, for many people that are in the industry, I like to say that their expertise is that thing that they have that nobody else can match and everybody needs. But when you have something that everybody needs, when that demand is there and everybody needs what you have, they will pay you whatever it is that they need to pay you to get that thing from you. It's all about how you communicate what that thing is that you have. And so, um, yeah, that's how it made me see money different. Like if, if I'm able to produce something that everyone needs or that is something that's needed that I have that no one else has, mm-hmm. I, I can write my own checks for that. Nice. That's powerful. That's yeah. very powerful. Yeah. And I, I, I like still like the word reimagine with just seeing, 
not only the industry different, not only the money differently, but almost kind of the whole context of how you can interact in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's what I think brought me on to do that, um, that, that disaster proof your income class on, um, on the group was basically Mm -hmm. trying to help people. I think that there's a, a mindset shift that has to happen. Like we're, we're used to going to a space and, and performing a service. Right. Um, And I wanted to encourage people that performing, performing a service is, is great, but you have to be able to get your revenue from different ways. Let's just say you're performing a service all the time and you get shut down like COVID or you break your hand, God forbid, or, um, something's happening in your body or your child gets sick, God forbid, or something happens that stops you from being able to go or a disaster can be anything. It could be depression. It could be, you know, going through a divorce. There's so many times that we're, we try to be present, but we can't really be present. So whatever that disaster is for you, it can pull you off of that service, that Mm one-on-one. And it's not until you create other scalable streams of income inside of the beauty beauty industry. I'm not saying that you have to go and be a realtor while you're doing, you know, Mm -hmm. hair. I love the beauty industry. And I believe that if you have a passion for it, you should be able to stay in it. But when you understand what your circle of influence is and where your impact is, retailing is one of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, If I can't service you with my body, then I can service you with my mouth and ship it to you just Mm -hmm. because. I couldn't go. I couldn't get in my car and go to the salon. It was it was basically illegal for me to do that. The the post office still runs. We're right. still getting mail. I can ship to you what you need, or I can do something like this and I can visually get you what you need. I can train you how to do something at home or whatever, mm-hmm. or I can write up some kind of plan and do a downloadable because the internet is still there. Printers still work. Um, And so it's being able to deliver something in the beauty industry or whatever your expertise is in the industry uh, to that circle of influence that you have, being able to deliver it, package it up and deliver it in different ways. So no matter what's down, you can still scale something that's up and make make your revenue, make it up on that end. But you have to have it in place. If you don't have it in place, when things go down, you won't be able to scale anything. So I think it's just a mindset shift in in reimagining what does beauty look like? What does it look like? It does not have to look like your hands all the time or that one on one experience all of the time. Yes, you still have that. Yes, it will still uh, represent a large percentage of what your income is. But I encourage people to look at those percentages and say, okay, now let me up my game online or let me up my retail game so that those numbers are going up and it'll give you a chance to back down from behind the chair. It'll give you a chance to charge more for your hours. And it'll also give you a chance to spend more time with your kids or with your family or make sure you make it to games because you're not running yourself into the ground trying to make what you need to make from that one-on-one service and standing behind the chair. It's horrible on the body. But if you have other pieces where you can deliver an experience to someone that needs the expertise that you have, then you're able to make that revenue and even more up. You, I mean, you make the money while you're asleep. That ching, right. ching, 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 overnight. And it's like amazing. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think you, you said so much. So I hope everybody was really paying attention to what you were saying as far as, you know, the mindset shift. Um, I think we are like some of the most creative people 
on the planet and this hit and we have no creativity to look around and see what else and how else can I do yeah. what I do. Yeah. And even thinking about the guest as far as like, what is it that they come there for you to do? It's not just yeah. their hand, your hands in their hair. You yeah. know, that's of course something they, they like, but it's like some of them come to you for more than that. And it's mm -hmm. like, if we can help them meet whatever needs they have, mm -hmm. like you say, they're still on zoom. A lot of them, mm -hmm. um, they're still, you know, needing to take care of themselves, their kids and everything else. And it's like, and if they have something that happened to be buried in the back of the corner of the, um, you know, the vanity in the bathroom, then, you know, when that hair gets back to you, it's going to be crazy trying to get it back in order. You know, it's like, we need to, you know, kind of run out in front of and say, Hey, you know, this is what you need to use and, yeah. and all of that. So transition us a little bit into, you know, how do we make this shift with, you know, mindset in terms of retailing, what do we need to do, you know, while we're at home, let's say while we're at home, um, and some, you know, obviously the, the salon changed even when we opened back up because it's, you know, double booking is gone. That sitting everybody around the salon is gone, which I'm actually happy about. Me too. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've always booked like that, so it doesn't matter. For that me. model. Yeah, that model, which a lot of people um, subscribe to. Yes is gone um so it's like it's one person at a time and maybe hopefully you're working you know almost fewer hours of you know did a training for people on you know how to increase your salon income or salon sales without double booking yeah so that you're making the same amount but let's just say we have a little bit more time like you say at home with our kids with you know family doing other things that we want to do how can we maximize the retail game well, um, I believe that you said something very important was um, just kind of analyzing yourself and, you know, kind of knowing. So I'll give you an example of me, for instance. Okay, so here I am. I, I don't take many clients in the salon. I have um, I have some. A lot of my, my clientele is word of mouth. And, but my clients are normally... Um, I set it up where they are people who have disposable income. So I have politicians, I have um, high level executives, I have attorneys, stuff like that. And the re the biggest reason they come to me, I do I do pretty good hair. I told you I'm not creative. You know, somebody wants a you know a short stack bob with pinks and purples in the front. I'm not your girl. And I tell them when they call, I am not your girl. <laughs> I want the person that is going to the boardroom. That is me. Everybody has full curls and their hair flows every time they walk. And that's 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 my lane right there. But um, my client, the reason they drive past 30 other salons to come to me or they drive past 15 salons to come to me or however many miles is because I'm a protector of their time. Mm -hmm. And time is my biggest value for them. I'm able to charge them more because I get them out quicker and, I, and I'm flexible to their time. Um, so again, I have people that are, that are um, business women, you know, they're business women and time is money for them. And they do not, I understand that because time is money for me. And so, as I said, I've always, I've, I've never double booked. I've always had one person at a time. Mm -hmm. They really love that one-on-one -on -one experience. They love privacy and they love that I get them in and out on a time basis. So now if that's me and I'm sitting at home, which is something that I did, right? This is me and I'm sitting at home. 
And I know that my clients are going to have to do something for themselves. So now my mindset shift is I'm becoming them and I have to structure my retail program for them around the fact that they still don't have time. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing for them is they normally come to me every couple of weeks. They don't really know how to take care of their hair in between time. So I can't send them something and try to tell them how to, you know, sit under a dryer for 20 or 30 minutes and come back out and rinse and blow dry and this and that and the other. I cannot give them all of those steps because again, I know that my clients have a commodity of time that they're trying to match. And so I have to sit down and put a plan together for them on, let's just say I have um, two conditioners, moisture whip conditioner and a keratin mask, which give a power punch of protein to the hair. So instead of me telling them to put some conditioner on and go under the dryer for 20 minutes or whatever, I tell them, hey, while you're in the shower, pop these two on at the same time. Let the steam from the shower hit it. Have it as hot as you want it. Rinse it at the end. Come on out. And I'm going to tell you how to do something from there. So everything was structured around them to understand that even though you're not coming in to see me, I'm still taking care of your hair. So that's the first thing that I think that people have to understand when they sit back and look at their clients, they have to design their retail and packaging and how they instruct them on using those items around who they are or what their client looks like. If that person is like mine who doesn't have the time, then I have to structure it around that time being a commodity for them. So the first thing I tell people on changing their mindset is who are you? are your clients um when i go into spaces and i do one-on-ones with uh different stylists and i ask them who their target market is they can never tell me. it's the most crazy thing in the world they can never tell me they always tell me who comes to them well i usually do mostly silk presses but i really love to do short hair i didn't ask you who comes to you i asked you who your target market is that's the person that you want to come to you so if you know who you have in your chair if you know who's going to purchase or whatever Put together a plan for them that works for them. It's not, you know, cookie cutter. It's not the same thing works for every person. Think of personalities. Think of what's important to them. Think of styles that make them feel good or something that would be easy or simple for them to do. And you have to shift your mind on how to create an experience for them that still makes them feel like you're servicing them while not actually having them in your space. So when I, a mindset shift, that's one thing that you can do when you sit down. Hopefully. The stylists have some kind of a booking system or something electronically that has all of the clients in there and what they've been getting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they can go through it and, and really look back at all of the clients. Um, I think that we that another another um, mindset shift is to look at your clientele or your customer base as a whole and not just look at them as the ones who come regularly. Reach back to the ones who you haven't seen in a while, too, because nine times out of ten. They're not seeing someone else. They may just be coming to you when they have the time to or they're servicing themselves at home or something like that. And then there's something called a circle of influence or a circle of impact, what I call it. And what happens is, yes, you may be doing Miss Sandra's hair, but Sandra has three kids and a husband who's using a product at home as well. So that's a retail key, too. While you're talking to Miss Sandra, about how to take care of her hair. You'll also mention how her husband needs to take care of his and what products he needs for his ways mm-hmm. and what the daughters need as a general moisturizer for every day. And then 
as you ask them or you post something on social media about the products that you're selling or the package you put together for her, and you ask her to share it, now your circle of influence goes to her circle of influence as well. Um, if you think about every person that's not your client that comes to you and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Or is coloring my hair safe? Or what kind of shampoo do you recommend? They may have never sat in your chair, but they're still part of your circle of impact. You're part of your influence because you have been able to tell or share something with them that helps them to get that. They're using your expertise at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Who all is using your expertise? So shift your mindset and understand that that person is your potential client as well, not just the ones that come and sit in your chair. I think that we're so handcuffed to the chair <laughs> that we believe that the only person that is our client is the one who sit down at the chair. But when you're retailing, you understand that anybody that you can give any expertise or any verbal information to, they're potentially your client too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that you were talking about um, going to the clients that you don't see on a regular basis. Yeah. And yeah you know, you know, like you were saying, sometimes they may not be coming, to, going to anyone else. They may just be spacing out their appointments. But even if they are going to someone else, it's like, who's reaching out to them? Exactly. You know, providing that, that level of service and commitment to them during yep. this time. So right. it's like, it's worth, you know, reaching out, reaching back and, and seeing, you know, how you can help them at this point in time. Absolutely. Everybody was struggling in one way or the other. Right. Um, I know that when we did some of our retail packages, we would put little notes together. We have these, I didn't bring one with me, but we have these um, prescription pads mm -hmm. that we offer to those salons that are retailing our products. And it's really like a pad that a doctor would use. And it says shampoo, conditioner, style, item or whatever. And you can write the person's name on top and you can write in what shampoo, what conditioner, what style and items you recommend for them, how you recommend them to use it and rip it off and give it to them inside of their bag, just like it's a prescription like a doctor would do um so some things like that you when you write in those little notes or when you're you know putting those instructions down and at the end you put on there you know tell your son pete that i said hello or mm -hmm. or tell pete that i know he's not playing baseball but you know if he watches on this channel they have some baseball stuff on there or something like that those right. those little personal pieces will make people think that you know you care about them and really uh, people are emotional with how they purchase anyway. If they like you, they're, they're, they're going to purchase from you. If they don't like you, they won't. So uh, the more you can connect with someone emotionally, the easier it is to, to sell them something. You know, And I think a lot of times with us, even in the midst of the pandemic, and I think that this is what actually changed, um, or one of the pieces that changed was that stylists, for some reason, um, don't like sales. And they don't understand that you're doing sales every day all day. <laughs> it's like that's what you do is you're selling. But they don't like sales. They don't like to feel salesy. And that's why uh, there's been a di big disconnect with the retail portion of it. A lot of times they just don't like sales. And the biggest thing that you can do to the number one thing that you can do to secure a sale is just to ask for it. To ask for it and to, and to be able to communicate what the value is of what you're selling. As long as you can communicate what the value is, you can communicate clearly and concisely what someone is getting, then they're more apt to purchase something from you, somebody that they like, they'll spend more money on getting it from you than they will on getting it from someone else. And I think that whole ass portion and all that, I don't want to be in sales thing that went out the window because we were looking for lifelines. We were looking for lifelines when 
COVID came and we're looking around and all they saying is we're non-essential. And I'm like, wait a minute, we're essential, you know? <laughs> and so here we are, we were just looking for something to do, but that retail portion of it is very, very, very key. Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, one of the things that I was writing while you were talking was um, what about rejection? Because when you said just ask, it's like, I think as hairstylists, we have this huge fear of rejection. I don't know where it comes from or if it's just in everybody, but maybe we're more creative and more sensitive or whatever that is. But how do you address that for stylist? Well, um, I had to reimagine rejection. <laughs> I had to reimagine rejection a long time ago. Um, just imagine being at a hair show. I mean, you've been at plenty of hair shows, Brownard, Baba shows, whatever the case may be, Proud Lady, wherever, wherever show you've been at. Everybody that you walk past on the aisle is going to reach out to you and try and sell you something. And you're like, oh, no, I'm just walking around. No, thank you. You know, you don't want to carry all of these flyers and stuff they have. Well, I've been that person. I have been that person that's standing there saying, take my flyers, please. Just take my flyers. Just try here to get the sample, you know. And I can remember when we first started doing um, trade shows, it was my sister and I, uh, Karen, and she we could not sell anything. It was like, oh my God, why are we not selling anything? And really rejection will, it will kind of pull on you and just make you feel low. Mm -hmm. I took a class on sales and it had me think about selling stuff differently. And I had to understand that when you're selling things, even if you don't make the physical sale that day, mm -hmm. you count money off of the connection that you made. So when I go to the show, if I didn't sell to you, but I was able to give you the rundown on what the products are. Now, let's just say three weeks later, a distributor comes into your salon and you look at it and you're like, you know what? I just saw that product at the hair show. I didn't buy any, but what she was saying, it was really good. And, you know, maybe I'll try a, and eventually that person will become a customer. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you're able to get out and and pitch, and I think a lot of rejection comes because we are not able to communicate clearly what we're selling and what our offer is, what the value and benefit is of it and why people need it. If those things were clear and we were able to, to clearly um, and concisely communicate what the offer is behind it and how much that is, we would sell a lot more than we do already. Um, but understand that rejection is not failure. And I think sometimes we couple the two together. We think that if somebody doesn't purchase it today, that it becomes a failure in a sense. And it's not because you succeeded at having them listen. Mm -hmm. So the next time they come in and you're mentioning to them again, what it is that, you know, um, you want them to purchase, they already have it in their head. And this is something that has become put in their mind. Just think about a Coke commercial or any kind of commercial that's on television. You don't just see it once. And when you see it once, it doesn't make you go and buy it. It's something that you have to see in repetition before you start to go and purchase. Like I said, when people like you, they want to purchase from you, but you have to be able to communicate it clearly. Sales doesn't start when you get to the recession, the reception area. It starts when you first touch a person's hair. It starts when you're looking at it and giving an analysis before you go to the shampoo bowl. It continues while you're at the shampoo bowl and say, this is the shampoo I'm using on you. And this is why I'm using it. When you say, you know, your hair appears to be a little bit dry. I'm going to use this on there. I'm going to give you this conditioner. These are things you have to follow up with at home. 
so we can save your hair and we can make it be its best self or be its healthiest. Mm -hmm. um, it starts then. It doesn't start when you go to check them out, you know. And so um, I think when you give them information, you give them knowledge, you share with them your expertise, um, your, your sales, your conversion rate will go up significantly. But understand that rejection doesn't mean failure because you always have another chance to make that person um, purchase going forward. Yeah, I love that. That kind of takes all the, the air out of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it can't. I mean, it, it it can't control you like that. Yes, they didn't buy it this time. And, and I usually joke with them like, OK, I have this package waiting for you when you come back in two right. weeks. <laughs> you know, and it it just becomes to a, to a point where you understand that I was able to give them the community, the, uh, the information I was able to communicate that to them. So, um, yeah, the next time they come in, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be able to, to sell them this. And having goals is key too, you know. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that that um, I, I did a post on, and I don't even know if I posted it yet or not, but um, how I think service and sales and, you know, the retail should go hand in hand. Yeah. That as hairstylists, we typically have talent, we have training, we have tools and we have products to work with to make this, you know, person, woman look great. Mm -hmm. And... Then we send them out with nothing. They don't have any talent most of the time. Some of them do, but a lot of them don't have any talent. They don't have any training or maybe they've been on YouTube and they've picked up a thing or two, which may or may not be good. Um, they we send them out with no products or I think worse yet, we send them. It's like, well, just go down to the beauty supply. Well, go down to the beauty supply. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And and no tools. And the, so and then we see them in the grocery store and we're like, oh, God, please don't let her notice me and tell people that I do her hair. You know, <laughs> so, <looking> horrible. <laughs> so I always felt like it was part of the service. If I don't set this person up for success with maintaining their hair. And like you say, it doesn't start at the end of the service. It starts while we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. If you're able to gain trust from people. And trust comes from um, communicating your knowledge and your expertise. You're an expert behind a chair. I mean, right, right. nobody can take that from you. I don't care if they have the same tools, the same product. They cannot do what you do because they do not have your training, your mindset, your creativity. Some people can just look at a head and be like, I could shape that. into." No <laughs> one has that but you. So they can't duplicate what you do. But knowledge gains trust the more you share, the more they trust you. And so it's so crazy that we try not to give them knowledge sometimes. A lot of times try not to give some, I don't want to show her, curl her hair because then she's not going to need me no more. Girl, she's going to need you more because she's going to trust you. Like this is why I'm not doing it because I know she knows how to do it the best. Communicating that knowledge is what gains the trust. As long as they have that trust, you can sell them anything. You know, you can sell them basically anything. And I'm not saying sell them anything where you're selling them something that doesn't work for them. Right. Um, but when you gain that trust, it's all about trust. When people trust you, they will purchase something and they haven't even seen it work before. And whatever you say, girl, whatever you say, girl, I got it. You know, and so it's, it's, it's really about gaining that trust and uh, people believing in what you say. They'll always support you in that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, it came to mind just a couple clients that, you know, obviously aren't the norm per se. But like every time they come, like every two weeks, it's like they pick up. Oh, I'll, I'll go ahead and take a, a thing of hairspray. Yeah, like, absolutely. Go ahead and use, you know, <laughs> like a hairspray in two yeah. weeks. 
And, 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 and all you have to do is start with the stuff that they use every day, like a hairspray, edge control, some kind of shine spray or a moisturizer. The moisturizer is what leaves my shelf as quickly as I put it up there. The moisturizer. Yes, some people get shampoos and conditioners because, again, you know, when I'm when I'm selling retail packages because at Essations, we do starter packages for um the for our retailers. And so when I'm giving them those packages and they're like, Well, my clients, they come to me every week and I don't need shampoo and conditioner, they just need some salad items or whatever. But then when they start getting into it and understand Miss Betty is not the only person that lives in the house. <laughs> she's not because Miss Betty has kids. She's got a husband. She's got, you know, her, her mother is living in the house with her, her grandmother, whoever. Everybody is inside of the house. And you're not servicing all of them. They're not bringing their children every week or every two weeks to get their hair service, but they still have to get a shampoo. They still need moisturizer to get them through. And so, um, again, reimagining and looking at this thing as a whole instead of just as this one person that's sitting in my chair. Miss Betty has asked you about what she should do for her daughter's hair at least 35 times. <laughs> you're telling her that <laughs> on, on time number two, not on time number one. Here's the moisturizer and the shampoo and conditioner that you need from her. If she's getting her hair braided all the time, make sure that you're giving her a deep conditioner and a leave-in. She doesn't have to come to me for it, but if she, you know, you want to make sure I trim her ends or whatever, that brings you another client. And it also helps with that retail game because they're going to be using it. And teenagers, oh my God, it's like they drink edge control. <laughs> and young boys, they're into their hair more than the young yeah. girls. It's so crazy. <laughs> Yep, there's definitely all these different little kind of sub markets that yeah, yeah. yeah that a lot of times we don't even think about. But yeah, they're definitely spending money. Absolutely. So we've kind of gone a little bit back and forth from the at home online type of setup to we're talking a little bit about the salon. So it's like I've actually got one of my products, which has been through the ringer, my uh, <laughs> my lash. Yeah. <laughs> So I always like selling my favorite product, you know, telling people about it because it's my favorite product. So it makes it easy to talk about. So tell me, like, if I were your client, you know, and this was your favorite product, like, what would you say? Like, let's just do a little demo kind of conversation as far as how it comes up, because it seems for some people like a little bit like it's staged or it's fake. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, would you like to get this product? You know, so <laughs> The melange is my favorite because I started talking about that from the very beginning. And in order to make something not salesy, what I do is look at the benefits of it and start speaking those terms. Okay, so instead of saying, I want you to buy this moisturizer, what I'm going to say is, oh, your hair starts to feel a little drier. Or I know it's going into the colder months. I know your hair usually gets dry and it gets a little weaker um, as we're going into these cold months. That happens at the beginning of the service. They come in, they sit down, and I'm detangling their hair or whatever. And I'm like, oh, your hair, it just feels it feels pretty dry um, this time. And, you know, have you been putting something on it? You've been, oh, you've been using that coconut oil. You know that coconut oil is really too heavy for it. It's not soaking in. It's probably why it's feeling more dry right now, but let me give you a service. I'm gonna give you a moisture treatment on me today. I'm gonna give you a moisture treatment um, under the dryer. And then we'll talk about steps to be able to get that moisture back into your hair so that um, whatever I do today, you'll be able to keep it up. Oh, okay, okay, and we keep going. And this is a regular client, somebody that comes every two weeks or something like that. And then I go and I take her and I service her. Uh, she gets this full experience. I massage her head a little bit. I get her under that dryer, I come back. 
And as I began to put the melange on prior to, or after blow drying and prior to using a flat iron to silk her hair, I'll put a little bit on it. I'll show it to him be like, see, this is the moisturizer that you need. This is something that you can put on um, every other day. I say start with once every two days or as needed um, from how you're, I'm using it right now and I'm going to use it all over your hair and I'm rubbing it in and I'm putting it on her hair right there. Girl, see, you see how nice that feels on your hair now? Yeah, your hair really, this moisture treatment really helped it. It's not like strong. Yeah, girl, it is. It feels so good. Yes, you have to be able to keep that at home. Now, when you take it home today, I'm not asking her to purchase it. I'm saying when you take it home today. Love that. <laughs> now, when you take it home today, I don't want you to use it all over your hair. I want you to use it just on your ends for the first week. You'll be back to see me in two weeks, but let's see how it works for you just using it on your ends because your ends are a little bit more dry than the rest of your hair is. So let's direct it on the ends every two to three days before you wrap it up at night. Now, you better make sure you're wrapping your hair and it has to be in a satin cap or make sure that your pillowcase is satin, but I really don't ponytail it, honey. If you ponytail this hair, I am gonna get you. Don't <laughs> wear these ponytails overnight. Don't use your flat iron anymore. We are restoring this moisture. I want you to put this melange on the ends, rub it in just like I'm doing, emulsify it, put it right on the ends, wrap it up, do it at nighttime. And when you come back, we're gonna see how we are with moisture. It's already on the ticket and it doesn't feel salesy. Right, absolutely, yeah. And I love that when you take, you know, when you take this home, so. <laughs> when you get this home today and then another key is to put it in their hands. So wow. what I'll do is open it up, put it in their hand. I'll dip out myself because this is my container. I'll show you, this is what I want you to use. When you take it home today, open it up, put it in her hand. I'll take a little bit. Out. I want you to use this much. It's in her hand. A lot of times when people get something in their hands, they get attached to it, more attached to it. I don't want to give it back, you know. And so I'm so yep, I'm showing you, I'm taking, I take about, you want to use like a dime size. I put it, I show her, and then I'm, and then I'm going to put it all over your hair and I want you to feel it, but I want you to just take it and put it on the ends of the hair. She's got it. I think, you know what? It has, it has all these moisturizers in it. Turn over to the back, girl. Let me show you. It's got this and this and that in it. So, uh -huh. and nine times out of 10, she's going to ask me, what else do I need? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. And so like we're in COVID time. So, you know, putting it in their hands may or may not be the best thing. So is yeah, there yeah. an option you could, you know, that you would suggest during this time? Yeah. At least just sit it right there in front of them. If we're in the salon, I would sit it right there in front of them where it's eye mm -hmm. level with them. Um, I think a lot of times, too, we don't pay attention to how our body position and how our client's body position is, how our retail shelves are and where they see different things. That All of that is very important when it comes to retailing or to the purchase experience, period. Um, mm -hmm. And when I say purchase experience, I'm talking even past retailing. If I'm selling them something different, if I want to upsell them on a uh, conditioning treatment or on a haircut or something like that, whenever I talk to them, I don't come from a dominant space where I'm standing and they're sitting. I kind of pull a stool up and I sit so I can be face to face with them, but we're on the same level. So even though I have this experience and I'm able to talk to them from um, this space of knowledge, I'm also one on one with them so that emotionally we're connected and they normally in that space are not intimidated by what I'm saying. 
A lot of times when you talk about a haircut or something, people get intimidated. I want the extra money. This is going to work well for you. It's going to be so nice on you. Once I get eye to eye with them and communicate them from a from a level where we're sitting the same, then it makes them a little bit more comfortable and wants me attached with it. So even if I'm going to take the product and put it on the station, their chair will be lower and I'll have it where they can become eye, eye to eye with it where it's something that they can become more emotionally connected to instead of having something that they're up here and it's down there or whatever. I want them to be able to actually see it and it come close to them. Even mm -hmm. if I'm throwing them the back of the container, I bring it to them, put it on the back, show them how much to use. Um, I found even when I was going out into salons, if I told people what to use, how to use it and what their results were going to be, and mm -hmm. they got that result at the end, they found out that I wasn't lying it gained their trust in me even more and i could sell them anything when i went back so um long as you're very clear with what to do how to do it or whatever get them eye to eye with it let them see it face to face and get on that emotional level with it i think it'll work out well for them okay tell us that again you said the what to use how to use it and the results that they would receive yeah it's very important to tell them what to use how to use it and what the results should be and I would even if I would go out into the salon and I'm selling products to a stylist or something like that, and I would tell them this is not going to work for you, mm -hmm. and they would come back and be like, you know what, that really didn't work for me. <laughs> and they, <laughs> they said, what else do you have? I'd like to buy more. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you told me the truth. I really love that. Right. So I'm very extremely honest with them. Or I would say, hey, you're going to use this relaxer, and when you use this naked relaxer, once you rinse it, it's not going to feel hard like conventional relaxers do. Mm -hmm. And they were like, huh? And when I come back, they be like, you know what? I felt exactly what you told me I would feel. Or if I'm telling them to use the keratin treatment, uh, the, the thermal smoothing system, I tell them the hair is still going to feel a little bit tacky once you do this. They be like, you know what? It did. Mm -hmm. But as long as I tell them what to expect and what their results should be and they get it, then mm -hmm. they're always going to be a lifelong customer of mine. Always. Oh, yeah. The truth is very refreshing. And it's like Monet uh, Everett had said she loves the keratin treatment. So. <laughs> yeah, we've got lots of folks on. So I'm excited you guys are here. Um, it's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, it's like, we'll, we'll put up some more in a little bit. <laughs> I'm getting over this and everything. Um, yeah, those are some really, really good tips for for us. So I hope everybody's like paying attention, got a notebook out. This is that kind of month. It's like yeah. pull out your notebook or your tablet or whatever it is you take notes on and practice, rehearse, yeah. you know, kind of go through it What you know, what your client might respond and, you know, kind of do your own little role play yeah. by yourself or pull somebody in your house to do, to be the client and give you a tough time. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love what you said about selling something that you love is really important. Uh, you know, yes, I want everybody to shop with me when it comes to retails and our retail packaging and how we set uh, different stylists up to be able to become their own retail hub. But at the same time, I want them to be a professional stylist with us first. Um, mm -hmm. I want them to be able to experience the products from a user point of view because mm -hmm. we have amazing products but once you use it and you fall in love with it then you're able to sell it so much easier you sell i mean because the excitement the level of excitement just becomes yeah. different you know and we try to structure our retail programs around the stylist and what their needs are and mm -hmm. then also to be able to give them some packages that that takes their bottom line down or what their costs to get into it down yeah. some 
-hmm. and the more you're able to save on it, then actually the more, of course, <laughs> of course you're able to make off of it. And so, you know, it's just about building as much as you can in the system and, um, and making as much as you can. Uh, mm -hmm. Being a stylist myself and also a salon owner, there are a lot of times that I won't even put products into our line that people say that we need because I believe that over inventory is just stupid. It's a waste of money. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you're able to get the products that are impactful for you, fall in love with them, and then you're able to sell them to your clients too. Right, right. So if I'm a stylist, I haven't really done retail before. Mm -hmm. What do I need to do or consider with getting started? Um, so of course you want to go to the product line that, that you, um, are currently using to see if they have a retail program on hand or already set up. Um, hopefully you're using us, these stations and naked products. I would be happy if you were, and, um, they should have, or we do, we definitely have a retail program where we set them up with 100, 200 or $300 packages that gives you a certain amount of products inside of it. And it also gives you a guide on how much you should be charging for it. It also, we have um, little uh, shelf talkers and posters and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That'll make sales a little bit more simple for right. you. And those creative and great prescription pads that I talked to you about already that have space for you to write down exactly what that person needs. Um, all of these tools in place. And then when you do get your packages, whether it's the smaller, the medium or the larger ones, we also add some samples into it as well. So some stuff that you can give out to your customers to increase that mm -hmm. usership of it too. Yeah. And if you want to make sure that you're with somebody that can help walk you through the process. Um, also in the group on Facebook, I did a retailing um, class on there too, where I gave 10 top tips on how to retail. And this was at the beginning of COVID. So that mm -hmm. those things would be um, available for people who are getting, were getting into retailing for the first time. And okay. Those are those are that's really what you want to look for. You want to look for somebody that can help hold your hand through the process. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of companies out there that do have that experience. There are a lot of companies that have an affiliate program as well, which is something that we offer, too. So that's for that for that person that may not want to or may not have the space mm -hmm. or the finances to invest in a retail section or product or inventory in that way. And mm -hmm. they may want to just use their name as a code and send their clients to our website. And when they purchase using that code, the, the customer would get a percentage off and then the stylist will make a commission off of it. And so um, it's an easy way to get into retailing without actually having to invest in retailing. So just depending on what the needs are at the time, um, mm -hmm. sometimes you have salons where you may be a, um, a booth, well, not a booth writer, but commission. Or even a booth runner, you may not have the space to have your retail at. Or if you are commissioned and you can't sell um, the products to clients, remember I said that the circle of influence is way bigger than just who you're servicing in your share. It's also your cousin or your friend who lives three states over. Or if you have however many Facebook friends you have, I have 5,000. That means I have about at least 2,500 people that are <laughs> impacted by something that I say at one point or the other. The more you talk about it, the more people are going to depend on you for that information. So um, mm -hmm. if you're that person that can't really or doesn't have the space to bring physical products in, then you also want to be with a company that has an option for you to be able to make money off of without physically, tangibly having the product in hand. And we have those uh, options for them as well. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so you really could do both if yeah. you 
wanted to. Is that right? I encourage, I encourage both, actually. Um, okay. Because there's nothing that replaces that in-house retail. Um, it, it, it can literally be, if you're a salon owner, it can literally replace booth rent over, you know, a week's time. It, it yeah. literally can. It, it definitely. And of course, when you're doing it and you invest in it and you bring your inventory in and you're selling to your customers, your profit margin is bigger than if you're getting a commission from me. But I say, what about those people that don't live in your immediate area or in your immediate market? What about those people that you need to ship to? Maybe you don't want the hassle of shipping. And if you use your code for that, then those orders come straight through my website and that becomes my issue is shipping. I have to package it and get it to you know, FedEx or whoever we're using for our logistics at the time. Um, I have to get it there to get it to your customer, even though you're making that percentage off of it. So um, I think both of them work hand in hand and they work very well together. The bigger of an impact that you make or the bigger influence that you have over your, um, your market, your digital market, the more people you can sell to on a digital market. And like I said, if you put that link on your post or you put that link on your live videos and people click through and they go through mm -hmm. our website, then I've had some people be very, very successful with it. They might go on live video and just talk about, you know, especially when COVID started, they would talk about how to, um, after your hair has been still pressed, how to take care of it at home. And this is how you pin curl, um, use, use the, the, the pins to pin curl your hair to keep your curls or whatever. Spray a little of this when you take it down or whatever. And then the their link was already there. And somebody would immediately click through that link and go straight to our page, purchase what they said, and they're getting the commission off of it. And we pay them in a real check. So, um, yeah, I, I like the option of using both because when you use both, you're able to maximize on both ends and you're not overwhelmed by having to do the shipping and the physical labor on all of it if that person doesn't live in your immediate area where you can give it to them hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's um, like both of those are like really, really good. And like you say, address different needs um, for, you know, whether you're in the salon, you really want them to be able to take it with them in their hand. Absolutely. One of the other things that I was thinking about was um, with retail, like for your clients that may not be comfortable coming back out and coming back to the salon yet, yet they're still needing things. It's like, you can be like that pickup place, you Absolutely. know, where they can. Curbside pickup, like exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, what we've done too, for those people who are a little bit nervous, um, they can curbside pickup, but you know, we we can also offer for them times where it's slow or um, what we say is, you know, like our, our local grocery store may open two hours earlier for people who are older to come in and do their shopping where there's less people there and they have less interaction with others. Um, mm -hmm. We do stuff like that too. So if you want to come and pick up, or even if you want to be serviced at six o'clock in the morning, then we'll take you then. And the salon is basically empty where you can really be facilitated at that time, have your needs taken care of, or just pick up your product and you don't have to have that run in with people. I know when COVID first started, that whole curbside pickup was just what was up. You hear me? It was lit. As the kids were saying, I'm not sure if they're still saying lit, but I'm still saying lit. Right. 
Um, but it, it was exactly that. I had a lot of friends that were posting packages. If they do a lot of short hair, they would put the foam, they would put wraps, they would put um, plastic bags, they would put some gel, they would put you know moisturizer, spritz, or whatever. They would even get small flat irons and put it in there and make an entire kit. And people were coming and purchasing them just like that, just like that, you know. And once they posted it to their social media, not only were they getting their clients that they already talked to about it, but anybody that saw it and they've been watching them from afar or they saw what their you know styles looked like i might not necessarily have my own stylist at the time or my stylist is not reaching out to me like you said earlier and they were contacting them for them too or you know hey you gave you gave this or you sold this package to my friend i need one too or a couple of people at my job so they need something and that circle of influence gets even bigger yeah yeah that is that's fantastic so we're, I guess, about close to time to wrap up. So is there anything you feel like people need to know or anything that you want to leave us with this evening? Um, so yeah, thank you. I, I just want to leave people with um, the thought or the understanding that there's nothing discouraging inside of retailing. Um, I'm glad that people were able to pick it up during COVID because it gave them an opportunity to see how it can fill in the gaps. Um, but don't let it intimidate you. Retail doesn't run you, you run your retail. And as soon as you get it down pat, it becomes a scalable part of your business. It becomes something that you can look at and say, I can put these tools in place to increase it by 30% by month three or something like that. And it becomes something that you can depend on, especially when you set it up where you're not just servicing those clients who are coming in, but you're servicing your circle of influence, those people that you're giving experience to already, you're giving your knowledge away to, they should be they should be buying from you in some way. Um, mm -hmm. Retail can definitely help define what your finances look like. They can help bring you to the next level. And mm -hmm. um, you have to become a partner with somebody that can help walk you through it. Estations and Naked Body Stations is definitely that company. If you want to reach out to us, of course, you all already are connected to me, Stephanie Lester, on um Everywhere, Instagram, on Facebook. Um, you can also go to our website, that's essations.com or essationspro.com if you are a professional. And we do have those retail packages that are on there. And one more thing, when we were doing the affiliate program, it wasn't just stylists that was on there. There were people that were influencers in their own way. And they were able to pick up some extra income because there were a lot of people that were out of business, not just the stylists. Right. So um, it, it can be a tool that can help anybody. Yeah. Well, that is phenomenal. It's like, I really um, appreciate everything that you shared. And it's like, uh, I want to come back and rewatch and <laughs> get some more notes and everything oh, on it. But um, you were down and now I'm down. Okay. I think we're back. <laughs> I, I hear you, but I'm not. Yeah. But um, yeah, I definitely want to say, just say thank you so much for your generosity and everything that you do. Um, it's been like, woo. <laughs> it's like, I love, um, you know, hearing all that goes into it. Uh oh, kind of like you're frozen a little bit. I'm not okay, sure. Wow. I'm, moving. I'm moving. It's like the matrix. Which end it's on. <laughs> okay. But I'm going to put up a few of these um, comments and stuff um, just as we Hi, start to wrap up. <laughs> if I can, maybe I can't. <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. 
This is okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, there it is. Okay. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and uh, so we've got Chloe on with yeah. a lovely message. <clears throat> it's like I'm clicking, but I'm not getting immediate. There it is. Okay. The process of a sale, Tammy Lot. Tammy Lot Rogers. Yeah. Sorry about that. And we've got Barbara. Uh, Edmonds is here. She says she watched you grow up. I guess it's just on delay, but I think it's going to show up in a second. Yep, there it is. She says, A plus, you gave her the solution to her problem. Great to see young entrepreneur, Ms. Stephanie Lester, that communicating. All right. Yep, yep. Well, I thank you for having me on my platform again. It's been amazing. Oh, how do you spell the name of the product line? Yes. Okay, so Estations yes. is E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-S. Okay. E That's Estations. Um, our more popular line is the Naked Products, which you all should hear some later. Whoever would have known Edge Control would have been this popular. But you see on there, Naked by Estations. It's on there, too. You can go to estations.com. Again, that's E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. And if you're a professional stylist, you can go to E-S-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-R-O-P-R-O.com. And that still gives you that same great pricing that you would get from your distributor. Or if you don't have a distributor in your area, we definitely do great specials for those people who need to purchase um, straight through our website and get their products in from our manufacturing facility. We do take care of them as well. Nice. Okay. And I am going to actually post it in my, um, in the, the notes underneath this when it's um, posted. And I think I can type here, <laughs> but I don't know that it's going to anybody or everywhere. I think it did. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Yep, assations.com. <laughs> okay, good. Thank you. Yeah, but I'll add it in so everybody can can easily click. Okay, yeah. I have to say one thing. I'm sorry. I'll have to say, give us my niece. I don't know if she's still watching, but she um, wanted to start making some stuff herself. Not, I want to say it's um, some beauty stuff, but it wasn't necessarily um, hair care stuff. You know, she gets everything from me. Hey, Leslie. Um, <laughs> But my niece, Kyla, she just sent me a message on Instagram saying, I see you, TT. And so I want to say, I love my niece. I love you, honey. And I can't <laughs> wait to see you. But she is, I just look at these young girls now, and they are all entrepreneurs in their own right, making stuff in the kitchen and selling it. And I'm just proud of our generation that we have to come of women under us. I am so so extremely excited about it. So I have to say, what's up to my niece, Kyla Michelle? She is out there and she says she's watching. So I have to say hi to her. Awesome. So yay. Yeah. So yeah, it's like um, that is part of, you know, why I do this um, show. It's like there's so many different reasons, but um, I didn't go through it in the beginning because I there was so much I wanted to share, but it's like mm -hmm. it was actually born out of um, the murder of George Floyd and all oh, of the. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, racial tensions that erupted in the country and spilled into the um, to the um, beauty industry. And yeah. I was on a couple of, of calls or Zoom calls, I guess you could say, 
with other um, black artists and um, some of them had experienced different things, racial, you know, subtle and not so subtle, yeah. um, but they didn't let it stop them. And there were just so many amazing stories. And it's like, definitely some of them are, you know, really young and coming up. We're going to have some um, episodes for some, some folks, the younger folks that are doing great things in this industry. So it's like, amazing. Just, amazing. I can't wait to stay connected and make sure that I watch them too. You're doing something amazing in the industry. And I'm so proud to be able to be a part of it today. Oh, well, thank you. It's like, we're still working on the podcast. It is coming soon. Yay. Grab it on the go. Um, motivation and education and, um, as I mentioned earlier, it's like, this is just the beginning of retail month. So um, winning the retail game. And so I want to invite you guys back for next um, week. We'll have Kina Merriweather, the retail boss here. Yes. Tell us some yes. more. Let's go. I'm tuning in for it. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> She's a powerhouse. She definitely is. Yes. Yes, yeah. she is. Yeah, we spoke and there's like eight different interviews I could do with her. So <laughs> we're going we're gonna to focus on the retail part. But um, after that, we'll have Jane Carter. I don't know if you guys, um, you've probably seen her, her products. And, Absolutely. Yep. Um, yeah. And so she is phenomenal, yeah. full of wisdom. And she's going to share some things, some pitfalls, some things to avoid as you're going through the process, especially of scaling your business mm -hmm. with your retail. And um, and then we'll end the month with Thomas Fawcett, who's got uh, Shut Up and Sell is what he's going to talk to us about. <laughs> I cannot wait to see that one, too. Like, I'm, I just cannot wait. I'm excited about all of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be great. And so I invite you guys to come back and join us. It's Tuesday, uh, every Tuesday at 7 p.m. And then this Thursday, I can't leave without saying this, this Thursday, it's like we're going to have another legend, Mr. Dudley. He wasn't feeling well last month when we had him scheduled, um, but he's feeling better and he's coming back and it'll be on Thursday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time, 6 p.m. Central time, 4 p.m. Um, Pacific time. So it's like, you don't want to miss that. It's like, he has just, you know, done phenomenal things in this industry and from, you know, very, very humble beginnings to, you know, I think a $35 million company is, yeah, he's and he's always a wealth of, you know, just generosity in terms of sharing. So we're going to get some hope and some inspiration and see what we need to do to follow in his footsteps. Yeah, and, I can't wait for that one either. I am definitely, definitely. Yeah. So um, I want to invite all of you guys. It's like if COVID has affected your finances, which has for many of us, it's like I actually have a free video that's a financial survival guide for hairstylists. Um, and it's just helping you get your everything back on track. And it's just really good. Some things you can put in place, um, whether they're off track or not on, off track, but to get them on better track. <laughs> and so that's at beautysuperstars.com. And that's with an S on the end, beautysuperstars.com. So um, I look forward to, um, to seeing you guys on Thursday with Mr. Dudley and next week with the retail boss. So thank you again, Stephanie. It's like you are definitely a superstar in our industry and we definitely appreciate this wisdom. So we'll thank see you so next much. time. So much. Anytime, anytime. I'm, I'm always around. Good, good. Okay. <laughs> well, everyone, have a great evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. If you're watching on the replay, please, you know, share, share the word, spread the word about all of this great information. If anybody is looking to kind of shore up their 
um, income, you know, in the event that we may have another shutdown, even if we don't, this information can be powerful for you. So life-changing even. <laughs> so don't be afraid to share. So everybody take good care and I will see you next, uh, not next week, but Thursday. <laughs> yep. See you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Stephanie. <laughs> no problem, no problem.